Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche Podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, the number one rated sportsbook out there. I'm Nathan Rudolph, joined as always by AJ Hayfley. Today, officially, the NHL and the NHL Players Association, along with their Diversity Alliance, have announced that they have postponed NHL playoff games for two days. Um, feels a little bit like it came a day too late, but certainly better late than never. You know, uh, the, the day, the day of reflection that they had, the day of reflection that we've had, um, I'm, I'm, I'm good with it. Um, I would have loved to have seen it yesterday, especially the Colorado Dallas game. Uh, the the reasons that we were given was that oh, you know these guys woke up from their pregame naps and they weren't one hundred percent sure what was going on, and so they were kind of in game mode already, and so they went to the rink and proceeded as normal, and then afterwards they they had conversations which carried on over into today, and then they all came together and and decided that it was be- that they wanted to take a step back yep. for a couple of days. Um, I'm, I'm fine with it. Um, I was frustrated last night for all of the reasons laid out. Uh, I would say I probably retract some of that criticism today. Yeah. Um, in light, in, in light of what they've, what they've decided to do. Um, I was frustrated with Landis Cog after the game because he said that, you know, he, right after listening to his teammates sitting right next to him say, words get stale. We need action. Um, and he pointed towards a changing environment based on more words. And I was frustrated by that. Uh, today he stood behind Kadri uh, as they, as they said their piece about why they decided to do this, why the players came together and decided to do this. Um, so respect. That's what I, that, that was all I want. I, I, I just wanted to see action and they stepped up to that plate. Um, you want to criticize it for being a day late? Um, I'm, I'm not going to get nitpicking when we're talking about trying to make progress and move these things, types of conversations forward. Absolutely. Uh, look, it's it Thrilled. wasn't perfect, but if you got to this answer in the end, then good job. Yeah, and and I do think I you know we we said look like this isn't going to this isn't going to solve all of the underlying issues. Nope. But for them to send the message that they care, that they're listening, that they're paying attention to the world around them. You know, <laughs> Elaine Vigneault clearly is not. <laughs> uh, he's he he had a rough day today where, you know, he talked about I'm, I'm preparing my team 20 hours a day. I'm working tour. I'm watching video and thinking nothing about the world around me. Uh, I, I noticed that the coaches in out West had their press conference at the same time. The Eastern coaches kind of did availabilities throughout the day. The West guys all did theirs at the same time, and all of them made sure to point out at some point that they were aware of what was going on uh, in the world around them and, and not make the mistake that Vigneault did of admitting that he was oblivious to a completely extent. oblivious to what was going on. Yeah, he had I mean, he said he had he said he didn't know it was like he was just unaware of what was of everything taking place around him. And it's like. What were you doing for the okay? That is four, that four months. Yeah, <laughs> you know, putting putting your head in the sand is is a weird approach to be like. I just wasn't paying attention. Like that was certainly not the answer anybody was looking for, man. Nope. But anyway, um, we said we said we really said what we wanted to say on last night's show about this. And then to see the players step up and respond in the way that they did. Uh, the difference between the Western and Eastern press conferences was pretty noticeable. Yep. The West showed up with organized. Speakers. Yeah. And from what I could tell, I couldn't, I couldn't pick out all the abs individually, but well over half the team was there. Uh, especially when they left and all the guys who were off camera walked by and it was just, like a, yep. just a flood of people. And all of a sudden, it was like, "Oh, there's all the abs." Basically, it was like a, a 
flood of abs faces just walk by. Because yeah. you can see like four or five of them uh, standing behind Kadri and Pelmar on camera, and I then mean, the abs they walk have- by, and and I'm I don't I don't I could I, I don't know faces very well on the other teams, but there were a ton of guys there, and then the Eastern presser was four guys at a podium, one from each team. The abs just different approaches do have two people of color on their team, which it doesn't sound great, but it's more than most NHL teams. Yeah. So good to see the support there. Uh, I kind of like AJ alluded to, I, I still stand by pretty much everything I said yesterday, um, but credit where credit's due that the NHL came around and, and got here. Yeah. And that honestly, that the league, like they, uh, you know, RF Dean from mile high sports had a great question where he said, does it, does it send an extra um, emphasis of importance that you guys are doing this during the postseason. That you guys are you guys have made the sacrifices to go in the bubble to to you know to a bubble in an isolated environment to play playoff hockey, and now you guys are pushing pause on it to to send this message. Uh, it was a great question, and and followed up with 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 the kind of answer that you would hope, and uh, that that Jared Bednar gave, where he basically said we support our players and. I do think it adds it, it it adds emphasis to what we're trying to what we're trying to accomplish that we pushed pause on this that you know it's been a month since any of them have seen their families in person and they they delayed that a couple of extra days to send this message and I just think think there was I think it's good credit credit to Eric for for a great question yeah. and and you know, I, I as disappointed and frustrated as I was last night, um, I feel much better today about it. Uh, seeing the league's response and how they've handled this and how they've stepped up to that plate, and the cynic in me has certain feelings about it. But at the end of the day, my my timeline is irrelevant. Um, they progress is the is the point. Yep. Uh, you know, feel good about it today. You got to feel better about it at the least. Uh, if you want more of our in-depth thoughts on it, on the whole subject that this is all about with Black Lives Matter, we talked about it yesterday on our post-game mm-hmm. show quite a bit. Uh, if that's something you're interested in, highly recommend you check it out. If you don't care about our political views, uh, whatever, I wouldn't even call them political, but not the point, then look, this is a show about hockey and we're going to talk some hockey as well. AJ, do we want to start with the Avs, or do we want to start with Arizona here? Uh, let's start with Arizona. Okay. So Arizona had been under investigation, I guess, for a while for violating pretty much all of the operating procedures of when it comes to the combine and how you're supposed to interview players, talk to players, get information on players. And we found out yesterday that they will be losing. It's their first round pick and their second round pick. Correct. They're yeah, it was, I believe it's their first round pick this year. Yeah. Because they had a, they have a, they have conditional picks uh, in the air with the Taylor Hall deal that they made. Right. Where I think they lost this year's for sure. And then next year's was up in the air. Yeah. So I think it's scheduled to be next year's right yeah, now. Yeah, let me actually just pull up the yeah. press release. Yeah, there. Okay. Um, the club's second round pick in 2020 and the first round pick in 2021. Okay, so we had it flipped, yeah. Yeah. So this year's first is gone in the Taylor Hall deal. Next year's first is gone due to league forfeiture. This year's second is gone... Uh, uh, due to forfeiture, and I think they're also out a second next year as well. And if Taylor Hall were to resign in Arizona, which I can tell you right now, he's not going to. But if he were to resign, then their first two years from now would then go to New Jersey. So for, for a club that just got waxed in the first round of the playoffs, as an as an eleven seed that wouldn't have made the regular playoffs. Yep. Uh, going into the next two draft classes, 
with uh, they have no first, second, or third round pick this year, no first or third next year. Yeah, that's that's pretty rough, especially for a team that is losing multiple significant pieces. Not only this year, where obviously they're losing Hall, but they also have to re-sign players like Henestrosia. Soderberg is probably gone. And then the following year, you're talking about losing guys like Hjalmarsson, Demers, basically half their defensive core as well, and then Stepan as well. So uh, this is a team that should be staring down the barrel of I don't even know if I'd call it a rebuild, more of just a continuation of a rebuild with random Taylor Hall and Phil Kessel thrown in the middle of it. Yeah, so it, it's it's never really felt like a rebuild because uh, they're bottoming out. You know, they bottomed out a couple of years ago for the McDavid thing where they ended up, ah, oh, that has to suck. They, they, there are three franchise centers in that draft class, right? And they got the third one who ended up being the not franchise center in Dylan Strom. And they then proceeded to go out and build a roster. They acquired guys. They gave up a seventh round pick uh, to get Derek Stepan and to get Anti Ranta. And hey, they needed a goalie. It made perfect sense. Uh, but they also, Jason Demers, 32 years old. Uh, Nicholas Jalmerson's 33. Alex Golgoski's 35. They went and they, they traded players and assets away to get these guys. I mean, even Soderberg is 34. Right. Carl Soderberg. Multiple picks to get that guy. Phil well, Kessel. Derek, Derek Stepan. Like, yep. They gave up assets to go and, and build a roster uh, whose whose average age is old. <laughs> yeah. They definitely got significantly older with a lot of their moves. And it clearly has not worked for them. Now, they still do have some some bullets in the chamber, as it were, as they have Barrett Hayton coming. Is he ever going to live up to the fifth overall pick? I don't know, but yeah. he's going to be an NHL player. They have some guys uh, on the defensive end as well, Soderstrom, uh, depending on who you like, down yeah, the line I mean, as well. But there, there, there are intriguing pieces there, but the really their big thing is that they went out and they got a bunch of old guys to try and win right now, to try and make the postseason and win immediately. And they did not get big steps forward from the guys that they were wanting. Clayton Keller is going to make $7 million next year. Yep. $7 million. That guy is going to be paid more than Nathan McKinnon. And his career high is 165-point season. Right. And, and like, I get it. A lot of guys are paid more than McKinnon now, including Derek Stepan, for that for that matter, and Phil Kessel. <clears throat> but Keller's in the, going into the first year of a, of a deal that's going to pay him $7 million, and he's coming off back-to-back 40-point seasons. Like... Yep. With they they and he's only twenty two years old. So this we could look back. He could blow up into you know he could he could take that permanent leap into being a sixty five point guy every year and be completely worth that deal. He could still justify that, but going into it right now, they have to be very very nervous because that's a major commitment to a guy that you know he's twenty two years old at seven million dollars. Basically, hasn't proven anything. Yeah, has not had has not lived up to that that contract whatsoever. And Arizona with Taylor Hall leaving is a team that they do not have a true superstar player in the league. Right, they're paying eight million dollars for Oliver Ekman Larson, and his play has dropped precipitously. It's and yeah, he's coming. He's coming off of a thirty point season where. You're a little iffy. Yeah. He hasn't put himself into the upper echelons of of scoring defensemen by any means. Right. Well, and that that two-way game just has not... Not developed at all. It's not... it, It took steps back. Like, he... Early in his career, he looked like he was going to be 
a superstar. And because he played in Arizona, you could easily have made the argument that early in his career, he was one of the league's more underrated players. Yep. And then for like three or four years, everybody said, oh, he's he's the he's the, the the league's most underrated player. He turned into one of the league's most overrated players because he stopped playing at the level that made him the underrated player. Yeah. It... And that's a huge problem for them because he is now 29 years old and making $8 million. For the next six years. Yeah. For the foreseeable future. Like, Jacob Chikrin at $4.6 million and 22 years old is, is amazing for them. That's if he can stay healthy, but yeah, <laughs> right. He's he's worth that. He's worth that money. Uh, he's he's worth that money easily. Yeah, and by the end of it, he'll probably be worth. There's a good chance he's worth more than that. Maybe even a lot more than that. Yep. But you're looking at you're you're looking at this is this is a team that is up against the cap. Eric Johnson making $6 million isn't really going to hurt the abs that significantly because you're talking about him as Eric Johnson. Is he a $6 million player? No, but you could easily make the argument that he's a four, four and a half million dollar player. All right. So he's overpaid by, let's say he's overpaid by $2 million. Sure. But when you're not, when you're not pushed up against the cap yet, and they will be, but the difference there, it's, it's significant. Because they are they are deep into LTIR with the Marion yep. Hosa stuff and the the contracts that they've gone out and they've gotten, uh, they're committed and they're committed to this roster for at least another year. The Avs are not pushed up against the cap and they're contending. Arizona right. is pushed up against the cap and in a normal playoff season they were a bottom ten team in the NHL. Right. So. And that's with them getting world class goaltending from both of their goalies. Like that's that's the part of it that blows my mind is that they were that bad. You drop in the goaltending that Arizona got on twenty five NHL teams, and they all take massive steps forward. Yep, massive steps forward. It's uh, and. We have no idea where this team is headed as well with the obvious turmoil with uh, their now ex-GM and John Chaika. So who knows? I put it this way. I don't envy the GM that has to do that job that now has... Steve Sullivan? Yeah. Who now has to somehow make this a functional hockey team and basically has no draft picks to lean on to say, look, this is the future we have coming. They're going to throw yeah. their current prospects to the wolves, basically, and say, perform or, or die. Dramatic, but fair. And you know what? They're coming to the Central Division in a little over a year's time. You're welcome to the Thunderdome, guys. Yeah. There will be no mercy. Yeah, it's honestly that them getting dinged like that. I mean, that's they made the big play for Taylor Hall anyway. It didn't work out. But this this is a big time self-inflicted wound because now you have to start seriously wondering, okay, can they maybe move some of these guys out? Yep. What can they start getting back? Now? Yeah, what can they recoup? Because they gave Christian Dvorak you know, I was upset with JT Conver getting $500,000 too much on his last deal. But they gave Christian Dvorak a long-term contract where he's making $4.45 million, And he's a 40-ish point player. That contract is crazy. They gave him six years at 4.45. And the two ELC years, or the two UFA years they got, have a modified no-trade clause on it. It's too much. It's too rich yep. for my blood, man. That's that's and he's not, where he's you not, look at it. He doesn't even have a forty point season. Thirty seven right. points and thirty eight points, so it's close. Like, but it's it's fair. It's fair to say that had they finished the regular season this year, he probably, probably would have gotten there. Point player, but but he, he wouldn't have he wouldn't have surpassed it so much that you're like, huh? Is this, are we talking about like maybe a fifty point guy like Burkowski had forty five points this year, but 
only played like 55 games or something and you're like okay well had he had uh, had had he gotten another couple of weeks you know maybe maybe he breaks 50 and we're looking at him as a guy where you wonder where that ceiling really is yep you know and with Dvorak though it's like uh, okay so he breaks 40 it's- but this is a long the problem is that this is long term committed money that they can't work around Nick Schmaltz has a deal that's going to pay him just under six million. Like the, and like I really like Nick Schmaltz when he's healthy. The other side of this is I really struggle with Arizona's just system as a whole. They're they're a team that absolutely scores by committee, and I don't know what to make out of a lot of the numbers that that their team has. Their leading scorer had forty five points this year. Yeah. And yeah, it was a shortened season, but Nathan McKinnon had more than double their leading scorer's points. Yeah. I That's, mean, their leading, their leading scorer scored less than Colorado's second leading scorer. Yeah. Who is Kale McCarr, by the way. Right. <laughs> and you might have heard of him. <laughs> but uh, look, I mean, you go down, they had two players that scored 40 points this season. A couple more. It looks like they had six. Yeah, six players that scored 30 points this season. So they are getting their scoring from the top to the bottom of the lineup pretty evenly or relatively evenly, but it's just not very much from anyone outside of Taylor Hall, who was only spent like 25, 27 games there, I think. Yeah. So. 35 games, 27 points. My bad. Uh, he, the Coyotes are just in such a weird situation where yeah. I don't and, know how their team is built. I don't understand what the goal is. And I've been, I've been so critical of them for a long time for it. Um, just because that it didn't feel like they were moving forward. Yep. Like I was for them, like the, the move that they made to get the Jacob Chikrin pick, um, that was good stuff. Like they, you know, take on salary, take on LTIR money and stuff like that. That was all good. I I, I, I liked those moves. They weren't like big moves, but they were they were solid upgrades. But it's just it's <laughs> Jesus. Them them filling the defense full of 30-year-old dudes has just been like, okay. Like I, you have no direction here. You're you're a dumpster for a bunch of teams trying to drop money somewhere. I've always said this about Chaika and that he was a very good asset manager, but at a certain point you got to build a hockey team. Yeah, I I would that's a guy that I could you could put in the front office and I think understood the value of hey, get get picks where you can get them. Yep. And that would be an important I think that would be an important voice in some front offices like if the abs were to say hey come come have a job with us that would be an area where i would say his based on his track record maybe his voice could help them in that area because the abs aren't very good at that but beyond that i'm i'm not sure where you would find too much optimism in in what he did with the coyotes out there and the nhl dropping them dropped the hammer on them for penalties. It's funny because people have lost their minds over the Houston Astros and that, that whole thing. Right. But it's like the exact opposite. I thought maybe was not, uh, maybe we could have applied here. Like we could have, we could have looked at what the NHL sent the message to Arizona and be like, it was a little much. Like was was there's you could definitely say the juice wasn't worth the squeeze to the point where it's going to strongly dissuade teams from ever doing it again. But like are you so intent on sending that message that you you dole out ten dollars worth of punishment for a two dollar crime? I mean the when it came to the Astros, there's something visceral and raw about a team cheating in a game that's actually happening. Right. And and it's certainly different. It's certainly different than cheating at the combine where you do extra stuff. Right. 
test a little bit more on some of these guys and, and yes, the NHL the NHL delaying games for two days is gonna cause them to go bankrupt. <laughs> Golly. Um the same league that, you know, actively chose not to play an entire season and it's fine. Right. And the one that's the one that's spending a ton of money to even put on what they're doing right now, but pushing it back two days, well, they're going to go bankrupt. But there are some there have been some leaps in logic, including Rudo and I being called racist over the last twenty four hours. But that one is a doozy. Yeah. Anyway, the, sorry. No, you're good. You're good. Uh, when when it comes to this to Arizona, I guess the thing that's weird to me is. Although it's being removed, um, the NHL actively added a tampering period for free agents because the reality is if teams think they can get away with it, they're going to do this stuff. They do it in every league. We saw the Dodgers got in huge trouble in baseball for all their unfair overseas scouting that they were doing as well. Teams are trying to find an edge with these things. And if you don't make it explicitly clear and obvious when someone is doing something they shouldn't, teams are going to try it. Yeah. So, and like, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't have a problem with, um, like, like I said, with, with Houston, their, their, their crime wasn't cheating. It was getting caught because everybody's going to try to, everybody tries to cheat on some level. Um, Arizona getting, Arizona getting busted. Like you have to do something stupid to get caught. Like straight up. You got to, you just, you have to have, you have to have a, a, a fault somewhere in your system to get to get busted. And it just seems crazy to me that doing a bunch of extra stuff at the combine, somebody's agent isn't gonna blow that whistle and be like, the coyotes are breaking all of these rules. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like my kids are coming back and telling me like the the they did all this stuff and none of this is allowed. <laughs> I just, I, I, and then the punishment I thought was just heavy handed. I, but I, giving up a first round pick is tough, man. Like a first and a second round pick are those are your two highest premium non NHL player assets. Like those are because the second you use a first round pick, it loses, it's, it's like a used car, it loses value. Yep. Because, all the teams around the league have different evaluations of the player that you pick. Like Victor, Victor Soderstrom wouldn't have the same value as the 11th overall pick because people, not everybody is going to view him as the that highly. best pick. Yeah, exactly. They're going to be somebody that says he's the 19th best player and taking him at 11 is stupid. And it's going to be yeah like there's a very real possibility that Arizona is a bottom is a lower echelon team uh in a year or two and them having to forfeit a pick especially when i think 2021 is that is that Shane Wright and and the Savoy kid from I, the west or is it 2022 I, I think that might be 22 right cuz they might were... be 22 okay yeah, um, I think they are twenty two. Yeah, right. because they they were exceptional status. So, well, okay, pseudo first of all, but yeah, but anyway, Shane Wright for sure. Like, yeah, it's they don't they don't have a two thousand. Uh, they don't have a twenty twenty one pick, and there's gonna be somebody. There's gonna be somebody dope at the top of that draft too. There's like always all, good players. Like all of Finland is actually <laughs> dope at the top of that draft. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's you have the. Uh... Is 2021 the ratty kids? Yep. So there you go. Uh, at least one of them. Uh, yeah, I I forget which one, but yeah. Yeah. But yes, one of the ratty kids is is that is 2021. So and it's a defense heavy draft, which is like uh, they, they could probably use that. Given so that uh, anyway, yeah. play stupid games with super prizes, Arizona. That is that. We can take our break there. Time to acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. I know it was flowing well last night. Uh, maybe people in a bit of a panic and then ultimately celebrating after that avalanche game. Uh, 
you know what, gotta gotta keep the beer flowing to uh, to survive sometimes. <laughs> but you can pick it up there. Obviously, eight different Breck brews on tap, or you can head on down to the farmhouse in Littleton and get it straight from the source. Honestly, you can pick it up from your local liquor store as well. So use the Breck beer locator. Go online to their website, and you can find any type of Breck beer you want near you. And of course, we have WGT Golf. The number one golf app out there. And our gaming sponsor, 20 million people around the world play and love this game. We have three clubhouses set up. Go to dnbrgolf.com to download and search for DNBR3 to get on my action. We have three different clubhouses that all play a tournament combined every single weekend. So you can get in on it. You can style on us. You can make us look bad. With all the Avalanche hockey, I straight up spaced playing the tournament last weekend. I won't lie to you, but uh, I I don't. Uh, I got tired of being embarrassed, so <laughs> I only do the closest to the whole ones now. I can't play. I I've, I've given up I on playing think. actual fake golf. I see. I felt like the last tournament I played in, I finally started to figure out how to putt, and that's the people who know how to putt in that game are the people who are scoring. And it is funny because when we tweak the greens or we put the greens on certain settings, people lose their minds because they've yep. learned how to putt on certain on things. a different speed, and then they, we change it, and it's like, "What is happening?" Yeah, and they're like, "Hold up!" They get to green number one, and they hit the first putt, and it goes like twenty feet by, yeah. and it's like, "Wait a minute!" They're like, "All right, this is going to be a challenge. We're yep. going to have to adjust this on future holes." <laughs> It is it is funny to get that feedback on on certain, and we have toned it down a lot in recent ones. Yeah, we don't want to do it every week, like. right? I, we I definitely think we had the greens a little overtuned for a couple weeks there, but <laughs> well, we had one of them where it was like literally we used the hardest holes and the hardest greens and the hardest uh, hole placement and the hardest tee spot and that you know, was like, intentional, totally. Yeah, yes, but. that was we literally it was like it was like our annual like most brutal settings. Come and, come and get wrecked there. by this. Yeah. So, WGT Golf, Good come play though. it with us. Yeah, it's always a blast. You can play plenty of people on there, challenge each other to to one-on-one match play, stroke play, you name it. So, if you're a crazy person like Cygnus and you like putting on glass, let us know and we'll make the greens real hard. <laughs> uh, second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. I don't really know if there's going to be a third period. This this is a free form show. We're flying by the seat of our pants here. Yeah, I mean we had a we had a 30 minute first period. I think yeah. I think it's fair to say we're into the third period. Sure, third period. Why not? We um, just forgot the buzzer. <laughs> there you go. Just played two periods back to back. No problem. Yeah. Uh Avs obviously other things going on in the NHL right now. No update on Nikita Zadorov. He Nathan well- McKinnon wearing his hat at the presser today again. He's been wearing his hat a lot, hasn't he? I know it's been it's been pretty funny to watch. Uh, just you gotta you gotta appreciate Big Z, uh, Big Z, and and McKinnon and the the budding friendship that they seem to have. Squad. Yeah, certainly. I mean. Look, if I'm picking someone on the abs when it comes to fashion, it it's probably Z. Oh, I definitely. I I'm not a huge fan of the tight ankle showing pants personally, but I've never known what's hip in fashion, so maybe Z knows better than me. <laughs> yeah, well, and the um, the no sock thing that seems to be popular. I um, I don't get that. I rarely wear socks, but that's not a fashion thing. That's an I'm extremely lazy thing. <laughs> I mean, all right, that's fair enough. But I I don't know. I I'm not going to pretend like I know anything in the realm of fashion. The point we're getting to here is did not play in the third period at all uh in game 3. He was on the bench, but did not step on the ice. We talked about it a little bit in our post-game show, but I wanted to dive a little bit deeper into the conversation of Kevin Connaughton's going to play. We've established that he was the seventh D, now is the the sixth, if not the fifth D, if Zadorov is hurt. But that other spot has a lot of competition for it. 
You have Mark Barbario, who played in the regular season, a veteran that the Avs have leaned on in the past. You have Connor Timmins, who also got NHL games this season. Of the prospects, which is, I guess, really just him and Bowen Byram, Timmins is probably the more NHL-ready one today. Yeah. Byram is Byram. He's a fourth overall pick. You know he has high-end talent. Do you just throw him in there and give it a shot? course you also have anton lindholm as well which is sort of another don't do that it, anton lindholm seems like the one that makes the least sense particularly because one of the abs biggest defensive struggles has been puck management and getting yeah. it out of their own zone and lindholm is not good at that yeah definitely so if you're looking to solve problems by putting in a player that can do a certain skill. You have to think it's probably Timmons. Yeah. So this is where, this is where I mentioned this last night. Why, why I would go bold and I would go with Byram because he, he's a bolt of lightning. Sure. He is not somebody he's got the kind of skating ability and the kind of puck handling ability where, and he's got the kind of shot and creativity and vision and passing and all the offensive traits that pop where I would roll the dice. He's the um, type of player that even if he makes a rookie mistake, there's a play in him that can make up for it. Exactly. And that's where, that's where I don't, I don't see, you know, if they went with Barbario, I would not. Okay, fine. Like I'm, I get it. You guys are going with experience. Uh, if they went with Timmons, Okay, he's your most NHL ready uh, of those of those guys, um, and Timmins Timmins is he's such a smart player that I think you could probably put him in this environment and he'd be okay. It, um, I think it'd be very easy to give him the direction of just get pucks out, kid. Yeah, well, and and I would say play your game. Like, don't yeah. don't be afraid to be aggressive when you see an opportunity you're capable of making absolutely he's he's such a high iq player there's a reason that uh i compare him stylistically with a guy like ryan Suter, where doesn't have the best feet rex messing with your green screen is my favorite yeah he's done it a couple times Um, i just it's killing me man everything yeah (laughs) so funny (laughs) Um, anyway, um, I, with Timmons, like he's such a high IQ player, just let, just trust him, trust him, trust him to go in there and make good decisions. And if he, if he totally just collapses, he he just can't handle it. Then, okay. Like you take him out, you take him out. I, I I don't, I don't know what to say. Like you take him out. Look, the Avs just won a hockey game where they played half of it with 5D. If Timmons is that bad, you can kind of just run 5D. And say, look, Makar, Gerard. Really, it was forty it because even Kanaan, he only yeah, played, 10, he played minutes. ten minutes. So, yeah, when you had they had two defenders that played ten minutes, and it was like, look, just and I think that's part of their problem. Uh, part of the was part of their problem that we didn't talk about in the game in the recap last night was that they, I think, they were probably tired. I absolutely. They, they're they're double shifting these guys all game long. They've been um, they've been double shifting them game after game after game here because the Az have consistently fallen behind in the third period. Well, and and where Dallas is so good offensively is in creating extended possessions and putting guys out there. So it's not a team that they're going to have if they could if they were consistently able to create quick breakouts and they were able to have quick shifts, quick changes, dump it, and you know get back and play defense and. You can recuperate a little bit, yeah. Right, and then you're okay. But when you're out there for 50 seconds, you're out there, and you're expending all that energy just trying to survive, and then you get back to the bench, and then the other guys go out there, and they just try to survive, and then, okay, well, you have to go right back on out. It's it's going gonna, it's gonna to wear you down. And, and I think that's where the coaching staff needs to put a little more faith in whoever they decide to play. Yeah, like okay, you're Kevin Kanan is your first man up. I understand you don't want to play him 10 or you don't want to play him 20 minutes. But 14 
especially it, in the middle portions it, of the game. 14, like depending you, on game situation and all that, you know, if you're losing four nothing, then maybe don't do that. But if you have a two goal lead and you can't trust this guy to, to play more than a minute, is should he really be in your lineup in the first place? I right. Mean, like you have to, you have to ask yourself, like, what are we, what are you doing here? Yep. Like, what are you, what are you really trying to accomplish with? Okay. This guy's in the lineup. This is not a short-term thing. Eric Johnson's done. He's not coming back for this postseason. Yep. You're you have to figure out who that seventh guy is. Who's now your sixth guy. And you got to get comfortable with him. Yeah, I I agree. I I think that guy has to be a legitimate sixty, or you know what, he has to at least be played like a legitimate sixty. If he comes up short, he comes up short. The Avs don't have any other choice, whether it be Kanan, Timmins, Byram, whoever. But you can't get by by just pretending that that guy doesn't exist and trying to run five D. Maybe you get through Dallas, but the Western conference finals in the Stanley cup, you're going to run your defense into the ground. If you don't at least lean on that guy a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you have to, you have to be realistic about it and yep. you know, they're starting to get to the point, you know, the, I don't really want to get too much into it, but the extra two days off may help them. You know, the Calvert may come, may be ready to go. Uh, Donskoy may be ready to go. Certainly wasn't sure what to make of that either, but it honestly probably does help the Avalanche. I don't see a way in which it doesn't. Uh, the only the only thing is is that you would say, especially if the game is on Sunday, all of the momentum that they got from the emotional and dramatic win last night is is the more or less gone. for sure. Yeah, but I think I think game to game momentum is overstated a little bit anyway, because yeah. we've we've seen three very different games already. Yep. In this series, and it's like, it, in Dallas, what way did game to game momentum impact? Right, Eddie. Dallas should have had momentum going into game two, and they didn't until the Avs blew their lead. Right, until period, and well, period until, is until that five on three halfway right. through the game. It's okay. Well, they had all the momentum coming in, but now they have none. It took them half the game to like tap into it. Like right. I'm, you know, I'm no, no, no. Um. Each game is kind of its own its own entity, and I'm not I'm I'm less of a believer in game to game momentum uh, all the time. Interesting comment from Cygnus here. We did talk about the very solid game Logan O'Connor had. He was really uh, good. Given the Vlad Nemesnikov continues to struggle, is there a world where LOC stays in the lineup? Assuming it, let's assume Calvert is healthy. Just one of them is healthy. I wouldn't. Yeah, he's still pretty squarely the thirteenth. Yeah, I mean, or you just fourteen. Be realistic, really, like yeah. Nemesnikov and and like look, like LOC. I think LOC is going to be a perfectly fine fourth line guy for the Avs in a year or two. Yep. Um, but he's going to be a really low offensive output guy. That's the yep. guy who's going to give you ten or fifteen points in a season. What you like about him is you like his skating, you like his physicality, you like his. Don't give a damn about uh, frustrating other guys. Uh, you like the sandpaper aspect to his game. There's not much offense there. He's a lot of his AHL offense comes from outskating bad defenders and scoring on breakaways yeah. and things like at the end happen level, in the NHL. He's very much an energy player. You're not going to ask him to lean on his skill. He Puck battles are something that he's going to engage in, but probably not win a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. And so you're running him. Look, his his ceiling, I think, is basically Belmar. And I know he plays on the wing, but it's wing Belmar. Right. Exactly. So it and you know what? Belmar had a career year this year and 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 put up insane offensive numbers. So maybe that's not the best comparison right now today, but (laughs) he's not going to be someone that even is even on denim daddy levels. Matt Calvert is going to be a significantly more impactful player than, than Logan O'Connor is. Yeah. Unless something develops in his game over the next couple of years, but he's certainly not that player yet. Yeah. 
So yeah, and and you just have to be honest. Like the offensive upside with LOC just isn't really there, and you're you're buying it on any of those guys. Calvert Don's going to Mastikov. You're buying that they've all been productive NHL players in their careers. All have hit the thirty point mark, if not higher. Yeah, and and like LOC's uh, LOC is going to find an NHL job at some point in. Probably in Colorado, but if not, certainly somewhere else. But, and it's going to, it's just going to be, it's going to be a very, it's going to be what they have in Matt Nieto right now, honestly. Yeah. It, it's going it, to be a very limited role niche. player all the way. He has his, his thing that he does probably yeah. PKs a bit yep. and plays his 10, 12 minutes a night on a fourth line. Yeah. So I, think that's realistic and i think it speaks to the abs depth that he's not playing on their fourth line already which is a good thing that the abs can afford to put skill guys all the way through their lineup yeah and it's it sucks because like with timmons and byram you have the future there but with the forwards you have more you have easier plug and play depth with guys like LOC. Yep. Around, you know, and, and even, I mean, we're, we're, we're they're already down a forward. Like, yeah. they're, they're, they're a couple into their depth to get to a guy like LOC. It's not their 13th guy. Yep. So, and, um, yeah, know, he we, should always get the, the nod over Sheldon drives. Like, he should always. I agree with that. Um, but, you know, that nod becomes an interesting conversation when you start talking about where does Martin Cowett fit? Where do Shane Bowers fit? In the yeah, Cowboys. that's and like that's that's a that's an offseason conversation right, exactly. because Cowett's not here and, right. you know, whatever. And what the one month or whatever we end up having of offseason, it's another topic that we can get to. Yeah. Well, um, and that's that's why I got a DM from somebody today saying I'm so excited for the offseason. It's like that shit starts pretty quiet offseason for the Fs outside of. The one top six forward that yeah. they definitely still they're, need to add. They either that might be the only big move they make, uh, they, I, and then they let everybody else go. I, I think they're either dropping a bomb or basically doing nothing. It, I would agree. There's no there's no half measure that makes a lot of sense for them. Yep. And uh, in, unless it's it's a one year buy low, like a Grandland type thing. Sure. That's the only. That's the only half measure that would make sense because it's. It's it's got it's it's cheap upside, and even someone like Grandland, you're buying on the player that he's already been at one point. Yeah, somebody that you've seen um, relatively recently too. Yeah, within the last few years. So yeah, yeah, it's it's certainly an interesting time. Um, the Abs, I tell you what. I don't think they can afford any more injuries. I, you never know what happens, but yeah, it does not. It it definitely doesn't feel good. They're already pushing the envelope with EJ out, Grubauer out indefinitely. We still don't really know what's ailing Calvert or Donskoy. Yeah, um, and then Zadorov as well. Who knows at this point? So you start losing more players, and you're talking about playing people with no NHL experience. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it's where you get into Timmons versus Lindholm, you know, yep. you're, you're, you're a known quantity with very, very limited upside. And then you, you're talking about the, the stab in the dark, the guy that you believe is going to be a quality NHL player for you in the near future. I, for me, if if Z can't go, and the extra two days should really, really help him the most, given what Bednar said post game, that he was he felt good about Z playing on Friday. If they don't play again until Sunday, and we're not entirely sure yet, but um, if they don't play again until Sunday, I would expect Z to play, and this whole conversation is irrelevant. But like, if you can't be that afraid to play Connor Timmons, you just can't be. If you actually are serious about him being part of your NHL team next year. You can't be that afraid to play him right now. Next NHL season is like three months away. What's going to change? Like, yep. come on. When you're this, when you're, if you're potentially down two defenders and you still won't play him, 
You can't you can't how say does, that you're serious about him. How does he go from ninth D to sixth D over this offseason? Right. And like but Byram is a completely different convert. He has a lot of other considerations just because he can't play in the NHL or the AHL. Uh, whereas Timmons can, oh, well, you can always just send him down and the whole, oh, he plays 20 minutes a night down in the eighth, and then that never happens, and then we don't see him. And Byram also, the nine-game rule comes into play. Um, well, yeah. I, I mean, um, if, if like, I, would pl- I would play Byram against Dallas if, if they are missing two defenders I- and, like, if it goes well. I know you then, would, but we had this like, exact conversation with Martin Kaut too, and the Avs made it pretty clear that they were saving Martin Kaut's contract. So, which like great, but like I would, Byram has zero games played; he's got nine to go. So I would at least give him the nine if it came down to I, it. Well, I mean, I would at least give him one and see how it goes, and then go from there. And Fair like, enough. if he earns another, then you know you work you work your way to nine. Playing him one doesn't mean you commit to nine. That's because true. that that nine has to apply to next year too, where maybe you want to give him the first five regular season games to see how he does, and then you make the decision to either send him back to the WHL or you keep him. Like they've got to, you also have to consider that nine games has to carry over into next year's con- considerations as well. Yep. But I, it's still like if you're not sitting there right now. It's at zero. You can afford to play him one and then go from there. Yeah. Well, I think that uh, that pretty much covers our topics for the day. Uh, so we're going to get out of here. Of course, shout out to Strava Craft Coffee. We have some cold brew Strava Craft at the bar. If you haven't been down there yet, highly recommend you check that out. You can get it, drink it as a nice, refreshing, cold drink. Or, of course, you can always order it from StravaCraftCoffee.com and get 20% off when you use code DNBR20. If you want to sign up for their subscription service, if you like it and want to get regular deliveries, you can get 20% off every single order. So if you like it, Go that route. It's a great way to save yourself some money. We are out of here for the day. Um, we're kind of flying by the seat of our pants here because our schedule changes almost every single day, it feels like, in these playoffs, whether it's we don't know when the next game is going to happen or games get delayed, postponed, whatever. So we'll be back for some kind of Free Skate Friday something tomorrow. Uh, hope you guys will join us. Hope you enjoyed this one. Appreciate all of you listening, watching, however you consume. And uh, yeah, I guess have a good rest of your Thursday. Until next time.